Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. On the podcast this year, we want to make a difference. That's why we've teamed up with the Motor Neuron Disease Association to help them in the fight against MND. Motor neuron disease is a fatal and rapidly progressive disease that leaves people locked in their own body, unable to talk, move, swallow and eventually breathe. If you'd like to help the MNDA continue to provide care and support for those with MND, please head to www.justgiving.com forward slash borough breakdown MND and donate what you can. support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We're the Borough Podcast that gives you all of Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to chat about Borough's activity in the market with Gazette reporter Craig Johns. Look ahead to Borough's Carabao Cup tie with Blackpool and the return to the Riverside against Bristol City on Saturday. But first, on Thursday, we're hosting a Borough quiz at the Playbrew Core. Um, Playbrew is at Cannon Park and the event is nearly sold out. So if you want to come, uh, the bar is open at 6 um, and start at 8. It's £2.50 a ticket and uh, prizes to be won as well. And you get to meet us wonderful people too. Um, but also with the, <laughs> the prizes, the, yeah, the best part. And uh, uh, with the prizes, you can win a signed Borough shirt from there. But the podcast, uh, the not the, the event, sorry, will be in the podcast description uh, when we release this podcast. But let's chat about the Borough. Um, Middlesbrough were held to a 1-1 draw at Craven Cottage today against newly relegated Fulham. A goal from Mark Ball in the 76th minute shared the spoils at Craven Cottage. But before we get to the performance, guys... I just want to chat about the fans. It was so nice uh, to see fans back in the stadium. The chorus of You Are My Borough before the game and singing throughout. How good was it to have fans back, guys? That was fantastic. I remember saying he was in the, in the group chat yesterday. I was watching Soccer Saturday and every everywhere they cut to, the, you could hear the fans singing. It was like nature's healing. And then it was definitely confirmed when you just heard that before the match. But also the Borough fans were the only thing I heard during the match. Um <laughs> For you know what was it one thousand four hundred of us that that was a hell of a noise made for ninety minutes at Fulham fair play. Dana happy. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, what a soundtrack to a game, by the way. We really have missed them and, and they were fantastic. I mean, what was it, four minutes the tickets were snapped up in? I mean, typical Borough fans, really, you can't knock them. And um, yeah, Yusuf there at the front as per, we love Yusuf. And yeah, it was just, it was brilliant to, brilliant to hear them, brilliant to see them and roll on Bristol City. It's made me really excited for that game now, the return to the Riverside. Absolutely, absolutely. And it seemed really, it was nice for Neil Warnock as well. Warnock was delighted. He, he went and did the slow motion wind <laughs> up. <laughs> I know, yeah. It. it was like an older version of Gareth Southgate when he used to do it at the Sands, but we got there in the end. I feel like he's waited, what, God, about 18 months to do that now. So, absolutely delighted for Neil Warnock. And it was a great point too. And let's chat about the game as well, guys. And Middlesbrough started off with three debutants. Uh, at the start and the game of the day and then fourth of course when you count Jones too when he made his championship uh, appearance appreciate he did play against Brentford last season in the FA Cup but it was his first start well start in the first appearance in the championship uh, but guys were you impressed with the performances today especially the debutants Dana Guam well Borough's performance as a whole I thought I mean I was saying to you in the car Johnny they had me for a minute because 70 minutes into the game there are thereabouts I was thinking Oh, God, I was ready to rant on this podcast because I was thinking, why are we just hoofing it into the channels? It was very, it was just very hit and whore. But to be fair, I always knew at the back of my mind that there was going to be a chance in there for Borough. And as Sam Morsey told us when he when he came on the podcast, we play moments and Borough just had to take those moments. And, and we did, to be fair. Tav came on, Jones came on, they made a difference. It was Tav's driving run at the defence that, that started it. Um, and yeah, we took that chance. It was a great goal, by the way, from Matt Baller. I mean, Fabio Carvalho switched off um, and didn't track Baller's run into the box. And then, to be fair, he had all the time in the world. It was a great touch, great control, and a great finish. It really was. I was going to say, how would you assess the performance? But you're absolutely spot on. Baller really did grow into the game. But I think a big difference today, Dana, was the way Borough looked to press, really, because it seemed that Millsborough looked a few more yards up the pitch that made things difficult for, for Fulham to create. Real clear-cut chances by the goal. Um, but overall, like, I mean, I mean, last, I mean, like last year, we, we spoke quite a lot about Borough's defensive lines to attack and the, scene, the gap was so much bigger, but today it seemed a lot closer. But, do you think, why, but why do you think Borough implemented that higher press and that man-mark consistent that we've seen today? Well, I mean, the man-marking system has just been brought over from, from last season, has it? But I think... The high press was was mainly seen in the first half and for all the quality that Fulham have on the ball um, out of defence, they also have one player in Tim Ream in defence that is very uh, adept and, and comfortable at bringing the ball out from the back. So I think <clears throat> I think that was probably why I think Borough had to. There were a couple of moments in the second half where I think he did stroll into midfield and to be fair the second half was a bit difficult for Borough because I don't think that when the changes were made they immediately made a difference I think it took about 10-15 minutes for them to get in the game but I think we had to we had to press high um we did drop off a drop off a little bit in the second half but as I said they've got Tim Ream in defense I don't think that's the sole reason why we did it but I think that's a big factor as to why we did it just so they didn't have that attacking input from the back Mm. well as we said on the, last, on the podcast last week, Tim Ream had the best passing percentage of any centre-back um, in the Premier League last season. And obviously, mm. that means either a couple of things. One, he's very, very good at bringing the ball out. Or two, you're very one-dimensional as a team. Um, and that was pretty much both with, with Fulham last year because under Scott Parker, they were very possession-based, very slow build-up, and it took them time to really get going. I think they only scored nine goals in the Premier League at home last season. 
So it really showed that uh, his strengths, but also Fulham in, in, in general, really. But in terms of what Dana was saying there, Tom, Middlesbrough, it took them about 70 minutes to really start creating chances. Fulham dominated the play. They started to create chances. Borough didn't have a shot on target until the 75th minute. Um, and that was the goal, of course. And Mark Borley became, he was a villain at the start, I appreciate, where he let the High Wilson go on his left foot. We've seen that time and time again from him. And he scored, obviously, when he went through uh, Dale Fry's uh, legs as well uh, to go through. But he came a hero, 76th minute, a lovely drive in the bo- uh, bottom corner. Um, he hasn't had a preseason. He's had COVID. He's had a couple of injuries. He started today. He was only, only originally going to play 55 minutes, but played the full 90. But how impressive has Mark Bowler been? Not just today, but in the last 18 months, because he's really came on more, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think I've said on the, on the pod before, there was a, a game, might have been when we got absolutely battered off Leeds, and we were just like, well, I, I don't see... Um, you know, any way forward for him at Borough. He got loaned out of Blackpool shortly afterwards and you're just thinking, yeah, that that could be it. And then he's turned it around completely um, over the last year. I think it's one of them cases where, like, a, a manager is the perfect fit for, for a player or, or, or a group of players and improves them. And he's he's come on leaps and bounds since then. When he got the ball in the box and it, it dropped on his left foot, I was just thinking to myself, like, there's no one else had one taken the shot from here because we, we've seen him all over the the last season becoming like the the Borough Roberto Carlos with some of his shots. Like <laughs> it's a shame he can't do the free kicks, but like some of his shots, they're just they're so powerful and straight. You could just see him uh, drilling that into the bottom corner as he did. Mm, ice in his veins, and I think it was a really good move from Borough as well. The way Tav came in, Isaiah Jones was fantastic to create the space. Uh, for ball and it was very nice to see Borough have fullback so high up on the pitch. I think there was like five or six players in there, and that would probably re- that would probably make Neil ha- Neil Warnock very very happy in that because last year, a lot of times last year we would have one or two men in the box. It was seemed very lackluster. We didn't get bodies forward, and we really struggled to score goals. Um, but in that in those seventy four seventy five minutes, Tom, we didn't really look like scoring. Um, defensively, I thought we looked really comfortable, and you know, bar the goal, I don't think. Fulham really causes too many problems and I thought Millsborough could you know, try and get something from the game. I think that was Neil Warnock's plan all along really. Soak it up for about 75 to 80 minutes and see if you can get something towards the end. Um, but he tweaked the system around the 50th, 60th minute. Um, he brought on Tavon Spence and then a little bit later on he brought on Jones. But why do you think the changes helped Borough in the attacking third when those players came on? Uh, we needed this. Um, just going back to what you said there, I do think we were comfortable um, in, in defence. We didn't really allow him a lot. Um, it was always going to be difficult against a, a team of Fulham's quality. Uh, you know, It's probably got the best attacking options in the, in the league. Um, and, you know... The Harry Wilson goal, probably avoidable um, if it'd been shown onto the other side or, you know, if someone else had, um, I think they mentioned Hall on the TV, had, had stepped out from defence to, to help Bowler a little bit. But we did kind of keep him out until then. But I did say uh, in our group chat at half time um, that we just didn't have any, uh, you know, quality creative uh, creative players going forwards or any pace on the wings. Which I think was um, <clears throat> that that was affecting us. We had um, you know Ekpiazu putting in hell of a lot of effort up front to try and hold the ball up, but we didn't really have a lot of options going off him. Um, but then when we've we've put the likes of Tav Spence and Jones uh, on, 
um, we've actually been able to create stuff on the floor, um, which is obviously how, how the, the goals come about as well. But they were also winning a, a decent amount of set pieces, which were, were causing Fulham issues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when when you're saying there about creating chances on the floor, I think Middlesbrough's fluidity up top was really was really improved in that second half. And I think it was just the way that we were able to, to find the space between the lines, but also with Uche. And I think with, with Uche, when he came off, it wasn't... I don't think it was anything to do with his performance today. I thought he put in a good shift. I think the way he occupies the two centre-halves is absolutely superb and brings other players into play. But given that Watmore and Crooks weren't making those inverted runs, I thought it was really difficult for him to really make an impact. Um, But in terms of Isaiah Jones, Dana, um, he came on, looked absolutely brilliant, and he was able to take on his man, create the space, got the assist as well for Ball's goal. But do you think we could see a little bit more of Isaiah Jones in the coming weeks? Potentially, yeah. I think he'll definitely... I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't start against Blackpool, uh, Blackpool midweek in the Cup. He looked really good, didn't he? Um, he's one of the, the breakout performers from pre-season. He's obviously had first-team experience as well. I think he was at Kilmarnock, was it, last season? Um, so he's he's someone that has that under his belt, albeit in a different league. And he came on and, and like Tavi changed the game and I thought it was a great pass to be fair. I mean it looks simple but he threaded it through to Matt Ball. He obviously spotted him in that space. Um and he was he was really good. Um I think Dom Shaw tweeted us, said that, that he changed the game and he did. Um he looked really bright and, and hopefully we do see more of him because on that showing, uh he looks really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think with with Mills were being linked to wingers and forwards him being so young I think it could be natural for him to go out on loan again but I think with yeah. that performance say you can reach you know, when you see like a performance that makes a manager think and start to put player into his plans I feel like that could have been the mm. performance from I think it really did make the difference did it and um, we surprised maybe not to see Pajero at all do you feel like it was a game was a bit too soon for him Tom Probably, yeah. Um, I, th- I think after we made the third sub, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of understand this. Um, Fulham, like like I said earlier, probably the best team in the league. Um, and it was just probably after a few days training and a bit too soon for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some time against Bristol next week, possibly against Blackpool in midweek as well. Um, but I think tactically we had the players on that we needed uh, to to get the goal and change the game. Yeah, well, at first I thought it was central midfielders, bro. Again, um, <laughs> to be honest, when I first initially seen the lineup, but then I realised that it was more of like a it was a weird formation we played today. I think it was we 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 switched from like a three to a four, and then like a four three three, and then like maybe a four five, and it was very fluid in a way because of the man marking system but I don't think it really helped us going forward to be honest uh, but either way we, we got the point and then that's what makes it I mean that's a great point on the road but overall guys are we happy with the point are we happy with Boris' performance in general Dana? Yeah I don't think you can be I mean obviously you're happy with the, the point um, as I said for 70 minutes I was thinking it was a poor performance and then we pulled something out the bag defensively we were okay I will say but going forward obviously there are improvements to be made Um the hitting it into the channels to me is fine if it's not 10 miles in front of whoever it's supposed to be I did think for a minute that we'd gone to the Renato Sanchez of just kicking the ball and passing it to the advertising (laughs) board but you know fair play we did pull um, a goal out of the hat and um, 
I will say we, we do need to improve massively going forward. And, and I suppose that will come. I mean, Tav wasn't didn't start today. So when Tav starts and gets really into the groove, then we'll probably see more. And then there'll be signings that we make as well. So, yeah, improvements to be made. But I think I'm obviously happy with the point. Where do you think we need to improve then? Well, out wide. I think obviously it is great that, that Jones did well, but in an ideal world, he probably would be out on loan um, if, if we got the options. But yeah, definitely out wide. Obviously, we need another striker as well because Matt Crooks playing up front second half was, was interesting. And O'Neill Warnock said midweek that Matt can play there um, if needed. But again, in an ideal world, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have Matt Crooks as a striker. So definitely winger and striker, and then maybe somebody to take the heat off Tav. Mm, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. And Neil Warnock really didn't allude to it in his press conference where he said that he's only got one striker and he had Corbin on the bench. And I appreciate he has Corbin, but it just doesn't exist. He's like he's like a shadow now. He just he's like he's like he's like a ghost of Rockcliffe, isn't he? He's, he's um, the new Dejan Stianovic. Yeah, the new Stianovic. <laughs> Tom, but overall, happy with a point. Yeah, definitely. I think looking at it positively, we're a point better off as. Um, Point better off than we were at the same point last season. Um, Progress, probably again, um, (laughs) probably again playing the uh, the strongest team in the league because I thought that was Wofford last year, um, and and they were missing about uh, twenty players when when the player does. So, um, yeah, uh, I think in terms of the performance, we looked stronger, more solid defensively. Um, So I'd, I'd like to see us keep that up this season. Echo what Dana said that we are weaker out wide though, um, and and that's where I think we need the signings and the and the quality coming in. Obviously, need a, another striker as well. Hopefully, uh, and I don't want to put too much pressure on him straight away because I feel like we've we've seen this a bit too much over the last couple of years with like the likes of Jed and Coulson, where expectations go up quite a lot off based off like a couple of performances, but. Mm. If if Jones can break into the team this year and offer something different out wide, then I'd be all for that as well. Um, I think uh, winger is probably. I'm, I don't think it's easy for any any player, but I think it's easier position for a youth player to break through into than on any other part of the pitch. Say like goalkeeper or striker would be like in a quite a difficult position. Um, but with with the younger players, you know, sometimes you need that kind of. Um, I don't know what the the right word is. There, not, not naivety, but arrogance. Yeah, yeah, like, like it's a bit of like anger, a bit of like um, a bit of swagger around them. Yeah, but also like not having tactics kind of coached into them at that point where they they're always kind of looking up and looking to go forward and taking the man on. Um, I, I think that that type of thing from from Jones, we saw it a couple of times today. I thought he was incredible at winning fouls as well. I thought the way he used his uh, he used his body and actually left a trail and leg at points and stuff like that. Like that worked Very really. Can. <laughs> it worked really well for us in in winning these set pieces. And then we, I think I did uh, a bit of research at work the other day. We think we were eight or nine in the starting eleven. who were over that over six foot now. So. Really, in, in terms of set pieces, we should be scoring a few this season, and, and that type of play can help us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we can if we can create the fouls and create the 
the, the set pieces and it might work in our favour but to be honest today it didn't really seem to happen too much at all I can't remember a time when we have scored from a set piece I think it was Josh Corburn <laughs> last season I think that was the last time we scored a set piece um, but oh no I don't think we scored many anyway but let's talk about transfers actually because this week uh, we caught up with Gazette reporter Craig Johns uh, to get his opinion on Borough's transfer window so far and to see if Borough are done yet I think if I was asked to use one word to sum up Middlesbrough's summer transfer window so far, I think that word would be pragmatic. Now, I'll come on to Martin Pajero soon, but I'll start with the five signings that were made before Pajero first. Uh, and, and that's where I come at with the pragmatic view of, of Borough's transfer window so far. You have Joe Lumley, who they've signed in goal. Now, obviously, we could all say last season how much Borough needed a, a reliable goalkeeper, how much they lacked that. And so far, Joe Lumley looks exactly that. And we did say last season at the Riverside um, exactly what Joe Lumley is capable of. He's, a, he's an excellent shot stopper. And that was, was unfortunately something, um, an area where Marcus Bettinelli fell short last season. So I think, you know, Joe Lumley certainly comes in and strengthens the goalkeeping department. Lee Peltier comes in and as well as adding much needed cover at the back I think more importantly he brings experience and leadership to the dressing room which is something that from day one at arriving at the club Neil Warnock has spoken about needing more of behind the scenes so Lee Peltier brings that Matt Crooks comes into the midfield and I think you know as well as adding height and and kind of strength to Burroughs midfield uh, Crooks has underrated skills on the ball from what I've seen so far and from what I've been told by experts at Rotherham. He drives the team forward from midfield. He adds that link between midfield, uh, from, between defence and attack. And he can add goals too, uh, which is something that Burroughs midfield didn't have a lot of last season. Uh, Sammy Amiobi comes in as the winger. Now, unfortunately, of course, Sammy has a, a knee injury and there's no time frame yet on when he might be back. We, of course, haven't seen him at all in pre-season, which, which is a real shame. But, you know, we all know what Sammy is capable of of on his day and you know he's been inconsistent throughout his career which is perhaps why he hasn't you know reached the very top but Warnock was quite confident when he was bringing him in that he could help him and you know produce what he can do on his better days on a more consistent basis by giving him the right role in the team Uh, and it it is a real shame that so far we haven't been able to get Amiobi on the pitch we haven't seen him fit because I think ultimately he does he he offers what Burroughs need out wide and in the final third of the pitch which is you know something a bit unpredictable he can change games he can make things happen Uh, and and that's what Burroughs needed that's what Burroughs lacked at times last season Uh, they were at times a bit laboured too slow a bit predictable uh, and, and they didn't create nearly enough and, and that's something Sammy Amiobi does that's his game so again a, a, a good signing on paper but the need to get him fit and then finally of, of the five before Pajero there was Uchiak Piazu up front as well um, we all again like like at the other end of the pitching goal up front we could all say last season the issues that Borough had um, you know they didn't have that big focal point up top that up top that target man and, and that's exactly what Uchiak Piazu is uh, you know he's not a fancy footballer he's not always pleasing on the eye but but what he is uh, is a brilliant old-fashioned centre forward he plays with his back to goal he's unselfish he brings others into play and 
he works hard and he's got a lot of desire and I think Borough fans will really enjoy watching him because he gives that kind of commitment that Borough fans love uh, so I do think he will prove popular at the club so yeah I mean those five names mentioned above I mean you know none of them are, uh, you know they don't get the pulses rating the um they're not exciting signings by any means but as I say that's why for me describing Burroughs transfer window so far would be pragmatic because all five come in and add something to the squad that it lacked last season uh, which is why I find it particularly encouraging but if if what you are looking for is somebody to get your pulse racing you know that exciting signing then what a time just on the eve of the season to announce the arrival finally of Martin Pajero the 22-year-old Argentine is obviously, uh, you know, highly touted and and really highly rated in Argentina. He speaks to most Argentinian uh, experts, and and they believe it's a coup for any championship team in England to to land Pajero. He he was an absolute star for Banfield in the Copa Diego Maradona, which was a contingency competition that they they set up last year because of COVID and the league not running. Um, you know, he took Banfield to the final of that competition and uh, he was the star of that team and that prompted interest from River Plate, from Boca Juniors, Argentina's two biggest sides, but also big clubs in Europe, uh, one I know was into Milan. Uh, ultimately, Pajero, for whatever reason, has decided to come to Middlesbrough and, uh, you know, it's a really, really exciting signing. There's a bit of unknown with him, an unknown quantity. What can he bring? Can he adapt? But that makes it all the more exciting. I think it's one of the most intriguing Middlesbrough signings for for many years, and and certainly if he if he can adapt to the league, uh, he looks like everything Middlesbrough need, and he could be an absolute game changer. Um, as much as that is, that's a, that's a very positive outtake outlook on Borough's transfer window so far. But you know, it's it's not done yet by by any stretch of the imagination. We know that. Um, they're going to need another goalkeeper. They're going to need a left-sided defender because Hayden Coulson, he wasn't given a squad number and we do know he is going to leave on loan before the end of the window. Uh, that won't be sanctioned until somebody comes in. Um. And then they also need one more striker too because I think uh, ultimately Tuber Akpom is probably going to be leaving. Um, the, there is also potential for them to get another winger. There's somebody they are looking at, uh, somebody they like in that role. And if, I would imagine it would be a Premier League loan, but if another striker come up, they could sign two strikers before the end of the window. Um, but I think it has to be said, you know, I mean, you know, in an ideal world, we'd love to be sitting here now with the squad ahead of the opening game of the season, you know, at the squad where it wants, where you want it to be and you don't need any more signings. But but realistically, in the current market, that, that just isn't going to happen. There's there's no clubs like that. And, and actually with six signings so far, um, you know, Borough, Borough being one of the most active sides in the championship. Uh, of course, you could, you know, Bamba's looking likely, Saul Bamba is looking likely to get a one-year player coach deal as well. He'd had more experience, leadership and back up at the back. Um, so, you know, you look you look at it and you think, you know, if Borough can, if Borough signs Saul Bamba and then get at least three of the four or five that they potentially 
could get before the end of the winter. You're looking at Borough making 11 to 12 signings this summer and in the current climate, both financially and a difficult market. That's unbelievable work, really. And, and as I say, every, every signing, you know, presuming they get that left-sided defender to provide cover for Mark Bowler, presuming they get the goalkeeper to provide more cover for Lumley, and presuming they get the striker to add competition with Piazu, that's a very good window where Borough have ultimately looked at, uh, learned from the mistakes of last season, learned where it went wrong last season and went about improving their squad for that. So yeah, still work to be done, but um, you know, it's not for the want of trying that they don't have the positions filled that they ultimately do want and, and, and like I say, they have until the end of August to do that. So uh you know, um I think it's looking good. So Tom, uh pragmatic and a little bit of sexy, uh according to Craig Johns. Um but Bora aren't done yet. Uh it sounds very optimistic. Um, with the likes of a potential winger, a Premier League loan striker, another striker on top of that. You've got a centre-back coming in, a goalkeeper and a left-sided uh, defender as well. Um, <laughs> exciting. But what do you think Borussia should prioritise first in the remaining days? I think they need to worry up and give us the sign and we've all been waiting for. No one really matter, uh, like cared that much about Pajero, but get Sol Bamber announced. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke Daniels. <laughs> Who's Sol Bamber? I've never heard of him. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I think, like I said earlier, uh, quality out wide and, and up front, uh, really. I think we need another uh, similar option to uh, to Wikipiazu um, and, and also a, a very different option who, who can come on and uh, hopefully get in the right positions to, to change the game. But it does seem like we, we've got a lot of options in, um, in the midfield now who can play off a, a decent hold-up striker. But, um, as I said earlier as well, just a bit of quality out wide to, to get some balls into the box and... Based on that performance today, we should always have about five people in the box waiting for it as well. Mm. Options. Options. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> Dana, um, Daniels has mentioned, of course, the goalkeeper, Sol Bamba too. Um, and Sol Bamba could be on a, on a player course deal as what Craig mentioned there. Um, but who do you think Bora should, should be looking at as well? Because there could be another four or five coming in. Yeah, well, I mentioned off air, I'd quite like Borough to look at Ellis Sims um, from Everton. Obviously, um, mentioned there about a Premier League loan striker. Um, he impressed for Blackpool last season, but he's different. He, he, he'll he obviously offer something different. Um, when I watched him at Blackpool last season, he was the type that would get in behind and use his pace. And I think that's someone that, that we need. Um, a bit of a plan B. Someone that can maybe play off Ikpiezu if we do go for two up front, for example. Um, to be fair, I'd just take any striker at this point, apart from not Troy Deeney <laughs> and not Andrew Gray. <laughs> All right, then, OK, we'll, we'll rule those out. We'll rule those out until then. Um, but, yeah, the Mills will have to be really active. You know, it's shown today that we probably need a little bit more quality and depth. That, you know, yes, when you looked at Fulham today, they had so much quality and abundance. And it was nice to see Cabano play, I appreciate it. For the for the other side, but I was I thought it was going to scream. Should Housery one nil ninety third minute Cabano hit well, off his backside and goes in? But he had a chance to score, didn't he, from a header? I think. Yeah, yeah but I reckon he just didn't want to score me. I was like, you know, 
Yeah. Well, Warnock was having a word with him at the end, wasn't he? Giving him a rollicking if he scored against us today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, very true. I feel like he wouldn't, he wouldn't see the end of him, to be honest. But, Keith, I mean, Keith Stroud is always horrendous today. Oh, my God, I was going to mention him. We're in London, aren't we? We're in London. Oh, my God. How many times have I mentioned that Keith Stroud is the final boss of all inept referees in this division? <laughs> Jesus Christ. This time last season against Watford, he kissed the ball on the way out. This time, he blows a kiss to it. All right, Keith. He's literally the Mike Dean of the championship, just a celebrity ref. He's made for that celebrity ref account, I will say that. Well, maybe yeah. Keith just loves footballs. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I think today he just loved being uh, the centre of attention at times and loved his yellow yeah, card. Exactly, Mike um, Dean. It was probably one of the worst refereeing performances I've seen since that UFC referee uh, found himself in the middle of Borough versus Blackburn last year. <laughs> <laughs> What about Gavin Ward? That came after that, didn't it? Yeah, Gavin Ward against Swansea too. I mean, it's nice. To, it's nice to know that refereeing decisions haven't improved in the championship uh, this season. That means nature is healing for sure. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we were going completely off topic and talking about Keith Stroud. But I want to talk about outgoings. Um, but Hayden Colson Dana not been given a number this season. We kind of knew the writing was on the wall, really. He didn't really have a future. But do you think this is the end for Hayden Coulson permanently or on a loan deal? I would say yes, even if it's a season-long loan. I mean, I've mentioned so many times that I think his time's probably up at Borough now. Obviously, when he broke in under Woodgate, he looked really good. Um, not taking that away from him, but he's just not really kicked on. And I think I mentioned this last season and people said, well, he's not really had the opportunity to. And... And I do, I think that's a valid point. I mean, he was played right wing back against Barnsley, which is the complete opposite side to his actual natural stronger foot, which is obviously always going to be difficult. But I just feel as though he's the type of player that, although I think he definitely can be a championship player, he's probably a top end league one player with the potential to be a, def- a definitely an established player. I think we just have to let him go and, and let him find a home and, and enjoy his football and his future. Yeah, let him be a peacock and fly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've never seen the other guys, you wouldn't have not got that reference at all. But uh, Well, I haven't, uh, but I just that made me laugh. <laughs> oh, well, comedian today, Aren't um, <laughs> Tom, Chuba Rackpom, appreciate our quarter today and hope he gets well soon. But Neil Warnock mentioned that We've only got one striker in Uche Ikpiezu with Josh Corburn sat on the bench with him. Um, but he's rumoured to Bistiktas in, in Turkey. Why do you think it's not worked out for Chubarak Park Millsbury? Because he came with, you know, a point to prove. He scored on his debut, of course, against QPR with that lovely glancing header. Um, but he hasn't really, you know, kicked on from there, really, has he? So why do you think it's not worked out for him? I think he just hasn't fit into the way that Warnock's wanted to play. Um, I don't think it's helped that when we were apparently looking at signing him, we never really saw him play live. Um, and I, I don't buy the what Warnock said, where he was like, this is the guy I've wanted all pre-season, because it clearly wasn't based on last season. Um, yeah, I, I think he just hasn't suited the style of play. Um it's a bit unfortunate for him because he, he seemed to be doing well at uh, was it PAOK we signed him from. Uh, it might have like derailed his career a little bit, so hopefully he can get it back on track if he goes to uh, Besiktas. But yeah, I think it's unfortunate that he just hasn't fit into the system. Yeah, I feel like he could work with uh, with Uche up top, but I think it's like with his wages, Borough trying to transition into more of a self-sustainable club now and it, it doesn't really make sense. If we can get him off the wage bill and try and bring in three or four players, I think Neil Warnock was quoted the other week where he was saying that we've brought in five players for the price of what Britt was um, last season. So, I mean, that's fantastic business for us, but 
if we can get maybe Tuber off the books, which I still think he has a part to, to play this season if, if we were to do if we do want to keep him around. Um, but if we do let him go, I feel like he, I think that move to Turkey would, would be a good move for him. Um, but let's chat about transfers, and not just for this transfer window, but for the future transfers, because Millsborough this week announced that Norwich's head of recruitment, Kieran Scott, will be joining the borough as head of football in September. Uh, Scott was the man uh, behind the signings of Emi Buendia, Tima Puki, and also of all the recruitment as well at Norwich. Um, and he's been... Highly praised by Stuart Webber, um, who is the director of football at Norwich. And Norwich seem to have a bit of a shinking, uh, sinking ship at the minute because everyone seems to be leaving there. Um, but Dana, we've spoke a lot on this podcast. We've even wrote two blogs about it. We've had about 100 podcasts where we said, Borough need to move in this director of football system. We finally have. And it seems to be quite a coup, doesn't it? It does. I th- To be fair, I think we have made some good business this summer, but Kieran Scott could be the best of it. I mean, I think James, who uh, runs Aram's Football, said it the best, that Borough are finally moving into the 21st century. I mean, I was having a look at who has a head of football. Forest, QPR, Fulham, Birmingham, Peterborough, West Brom did, but they got rid of him. Um, and that vacancy is still there. I don't know whether they're going to go back to it or not. But you mentioned their self-sustainability. Borough have had, obviously, Karanka, Mong, Tony Poulos, Jonathan Woolgate and Neil Warnock in the, well, since 2017. And with that comes, obviously, different players, different squads. You had Cyrus Christie come in and then leave um, in Flint when he was brought in. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate got rid of him pretty much straight away when he was appointed. So that's not self-sustainable. And and Lee Dykes, who was the um, sporting director at Berry before their demise, I think he was actually brought in to sort of stop that from happening, but it was all... uh, it was all a bit too late, but he said that we cannot be self-sustainable if every time there's a change of manager, all the plans go out the window. And I think that's what Borough have, have been doing in the past couple of years. We've just, you know, we've gone forward with one manager. It hasn't worked out. We've got rid of him, brought in another one. It's not self-sustainable. So hopefully Kieran Scott can sort of head all of this. Um, I'd love to know what the role of uh, head of football actually entails, because when I was looking at... Um, when Birmingham appointed, I've got to get this right, is it Craig Gardner? It will be oh, Craig Gardner. Oh, it's one of the gardeners. One, of, one the of gardeners. Them. Well, one of the gardeners. Um, one of the gardeners. <laughs> Alan Titchmarsh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the gardeners is uh, their head of football and or head of something, technical director. I don't know what the difference is between the two. T- title head of something. <laughs> yeah, head of something. Um, and they detailed what that entailed. It would be good to know what head of football entails. So I can answer your exactly. question. Um, so in the, the, the Gazette reported um, that Kieran Scott coming in is going to take all of the football decisions with Neil Warnock. Um, so that would be like recruitment, making deals get over the line and try to find a, a certain system for Millsborough to... Have like a, a philosophy which we've kind of said about previously about Project yeah. Borough and this this new transitional period. Well, what else should we call it? Do you know what I mean? Project like, Emness. Project Emness. We'll call it Project Emness times two then. Um, <laughs> still waiting for Emness to come good. Uh, it's uh, our but, next manager. You probably will, yeah. <laughs> but it will be, but what will happen is uh, Neil Bowser will move away from the football and decisions to more of like the commercial aspect of the club which he's very very good at um, and I think mm. when I wrote about the blog about Middlesbrough rebuilding constantly and I'll come on to that in a, in a second I really did emphasise on that point it, Bowser really needs to move away from that it's not because of like I mean well since he's been chief executive we've had quite a lot of issues in terms of transitions of managers you know you were saying that Dana, we've had eight managers in the last, eight managers in the last 15 years 
Um, but also before that, it was two and eleven or something. It was Brian Robson and, and Steve McLaren. Yeah. So with that, yeah, I think with with Bowers are moving away and really focused on commercialization. Uh, Mills were trying to increase revenue. That makes perfect sense. And Scott's just going to come in and and work with the uh, work with the managers, and hopefully we see. The, fr- the fruits of that really um but tom we've, we've even scott coming in head of uh obviously head of football take recruitment matters off by was it are you happy with that direction because Middlesbrough have done tremendous business this summer i think if we get the extra five players that that craig johns was was alluding to and we could have over like probably about 11 transfers this in in the summer in in a covid world the way money's tight that's fantastic business um, so would you be happy with with, with Kieran Scott taking tra- taking lead of that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you you only have to look at some of the people who uh, some of the teams who went up in the last few years. Like Brentford have always been uh, you know quite a decent team to watch in the championship. So I'm glad they're finally gone because they tend to beat us quite a lot now. Um, but like Norwich, um, some, you know some of the other teams you mentioned, uh, QBR are picking up as well. Um, I, I think it probably is time we we kind of modernised and. Uh, went in that direction. Um, I think he's got a, a proven track record at Norwich in, in terms of recruitment. I listened to the Norwich podcast with him uh, when the news broke the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, broke again because I know it was from about a month ago as well. But um, yeah, in, in that he he mentioned kind of the the different departments that Norwich have in terms of the recruitment. Um, so I just hope we like aiming to to modernize that side of things as well because that does seem like it plays quite a quite a big part in the background of what he does um so yeah it, it seems exciting looking forward to next season to see uh see what happens really he was mentioning philosophy a lot and daniel farker player came up a lot didn't it during that and uh, they mentioned Jakob Sorensen, who they identified as immediately a, a Daniel Farker player. So that's what we want. That's what I think the golden thread was supposed to be, but it just didn't have the right people behind it, like we've said many times. And and yeah, I mean, if if the head of football um, tag and, and position is somebody that, like you've said there, and like I've, I've done a research dictates who who signs who saw the strategy for the academy the the future of the head coach etc then fingers crossed that this is the dawning of a new age that that we've always sort of wanted moving into the 21st century like james said uh, i mean yeah we're still using Keith Lamb's fax machine so uh, i mean <laughs> i think we finally got rid of that because we've signed so many players this window um but we're heading in the right direction then dana with, with this appointment I hope so, yeah. I mean, it will be interesting to see how he does without Stuart Webber. Of course, he hasn't been a head of football before. He's been head of recruitment, so um, we will see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it. It's something that we have been crying out for, and it's got, I think, it's planning for the future and that long-term plan and long-term project that we've always wanted. Um, and this, this is good now because I think, you know, Neil Warnock isn't going to be here forever. Uh, we can't really plan a future with Neil Warnock so we need to do what we can to plan without him and I think that this is the the best thing to do and it's it's good it's props to Borough for that I'm I'm surprised but happily surprised mm. Tom happy yeah absolutely like I said can't wait for the start of next season just uh, to see what direction we're going to go in um, I, I feel like um, I mean Warnock kind of alluded to it in his press conference as well that he's maybe not going to be around you know after the end of this season so yeah, I'm just interested to see what direction we end up taking and and what type of player we end up signing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it'd be interesting to see what what we do. And when we talk, when I when I spoke about the the rebuild and when I wrote about that blog and, and how 
these wire mills were in this cycle for so many years. Um, there's so many there's so many parts to it as well. Um, and you can listen, you, you can read the the blog on our website, um, theboardbreakdown.com. But it, the 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 blog basically was about there's five stages within this this rebuild job. Um, and now you start at the very top with with Steve Gibson and Neil Bowser, and they have to ha- have a discussion of where we right now as a club and where we going to go forward. So when Dana was saying about the golden thread, that was perfect. That was exactly what you want but you need the people behind it. So it's exactly what you were saying there, Dana. The second point of that is your manager. So someone, you've got a project in mind, so it's project borrow it. The manager fits the project. You don't, the project doesn't fit the manager, if that, make, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's what they have at Brighton, isn't it? Under Dan Ashworth. You've mentioned that on the podcast before. Exactly that with, with Graham Potter in, in, in yeah. charge. So when Graham Potter does leave, they will still send the same direction, have a certain style, but exactly how they, how they want to play for it. And then it comes to a few things. Well, obviously, the players and recruitment. So you buy the players to fit your system. And then the fans. So your fans have to be bought in, which I think we are. I think the majority of Borough fans like this direction we're going in. But the one final thing is the process. Now, Borough fans don't have patience. Um, and it's quite it's quite clear that we, we don't because, you know, there's, there's some players that can come in and after one minute, you know, they're the worst things since Lee Donkirk when he missed that sitter from two yards out on his debut. You know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> But what I'm saying is, like, this process is going to take failures. It's going to take time, and it probably probably won't get it right straight away. This golden thread generation is probably going to come back. Middlesbrough will find a, a, a new word or a new system to, to rename it, but this golden thread generation, which is coming through, is probably going to be what Middlesbrough want. They'll, want. they'll want to use the academy as much as they possibly can. They'll want to have a system where we probably play the ball in the fall a little bit more now rather than playing hoofball for how many years we've played it. And we'll find a system which fits us as a, as a club and a town as well. But like I said, like I stress, like it's the process. Like, unfortunately, you're not going to see instant success with this. You might see a couple of gems here and then, but I think overall, I don't think we'll see real success until maybe two or three seasons down the line. Tom Wendell's were more self-sustainable. You know, we have good revenues. We were able to like spend within our means, and I think we're really doing that this season with the five transfers instead of. Uh, well, costing the same amount of Brit. Um, so yeah, I feel it's it's all heading in the right direction. I think Middlesbrough are really becoming more self-sustainable, and I feel like we're hopefully, you know, maybe going to be pushing for promotion in not just this season, but maybe next season. I think this year it's going to be a hell of a ride, but I do think we'll fall away. I still think we need to bring five or six players in, like Craig mentioned. If we can't do that again, we'll have to see where we are in January. But I don't think we'll have just just enough. Um, but let's chat about the road to Wembley um, because that starts on Wednesday night when Millsborough travel to Blackpool um, in the Carabao Cup. Guys, let's break down Blackpool. How do we feel about the game? Do you think we're gonna we're gonna go there and be on the road to Wembley still, or do you think <laughs> we're gonna take a detour and go on the old Pepsi Max and then never return? <laughs> um, I mean, hopefully we can progress to the to the next round I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of youngsters play uh, the thread that we put up this morning of, of players to look out for I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe uh, Jack Robinson on the bench or maybe I wouldn't say start but um, maybe get on the bench Zai Jones might start um, it's an opportunity there for the young players that we've got to really put themselves in Neil Warnock's mind of I'm here and, and I'm available if if you know we don't get the options that we want in the transfer window, but um, I, I really like Blackpool. Um, I want them to stay up this season. I think they will. I, I know when I posted my pre-season predictions, a lot of people were surprised I put them so high. I think I put them f- 
14th or 15th. I'm in the top six, aren't you? <laughs> Not quite. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if they end up there, to be fair, with the championship. But no, I think they've got a good team. Um, Jerry Yates, obviously, the goals that he scored from last season, they'll want him to bring that into this season. They've got former Borough player there and James Husband actually getting game time and not being so worried. Is that where he is? Wow. <laughs> played yeah. centre back yesterday for him. Did he? Wow. Yeah. I thought he'd just combusted in the in the air, you know what I mean? No, he's yeah, he's, he's very much still there and wow. um and playing football. But yeah, they've got they've got some good players. I do like Yates. Um I think that John Jules who they've just signed is uh is a promising or seems a promising player as well. Um so yeah, I think I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Blackpool apply themselves after the, the dramatic equaliser that they got the other day. Okay, Tom. I mean, look, looking at their uh, their players and the way they lined up yesterday, I'm amazed that I'm finally seeing a, a team that lines up in a four four two in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm looking at that game. I, I hope some of the uh, the younger players get a run out. Um, I'm not especially bothered about a cup run at the moment. Um, I think I'd rather we kind of saved all all that, all our. Um, First team is for the league and kind of not risking any injuries away at Blackpool on a Wednesday night. So, um, but I mean, obviously it'd be good to win anyway. So yeah, just just give the fringe players and the youth players and around the the squad a, a chance to, uh, on Wednesday. I think. Do you think Pajaro comes in make his debut? Um, I mean, potentially might get like forty five minutes or something, but. Is he the type of player that you want to be risking in in a first round Carabao Cup game, or do you save him for for Bristol City? Personally, I think I'd save him for the Bristol City game. Okay, fair enough. What do you think, guys? Got predictions against Blackpool? Oh, I'm gonna go. Ooh, I'm gonna say two nil Borough. Two nil Borough for Dana. Go through. I'm, I was I'm, also thinking two nil. Two nil as well. I'm gonna go. I think we'll go one nil. I think uh, Borough one nil, and then we're going on the road at Wembley. But then let's talk about <laughs> Bristol City as well. Because next Saturday is the first time uh, that Borough have had more than, obviously, well, had the fans back really last year. It was Bournemouth for one game, 1,000. So, but does that really does that really count? 1,000 fans? Really? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was good for that had... one game. Yeah, well, it's it's the first time that Neil Warnock will see the Riverside. Yeah. Um, nearly full. I'm going to probably say about 25,000 will probably be there. Um, but it's I'm so excited for the game. But should we should we break down Bristol City first before I ask you what you're looking forward to the most? Yeah, let, let's break them down first. Who wants to go first? Um, I mean, I'll I'll start. I mean, they lined up yesterday four two three one. They were playing Blackpool yesterday as well. Um, they've got a couple of um, Leicester players at centre midfield who I forgot existed to be honest in uh, Matty James and Andy King uh, Chris they Martin. must be getting on now they, uh, didn't he, 30 and 32 yeah didn't he um, sign them he signed them for Leicester didn't he like yeah. in 2003 or something didn't he so like yeah they're there about yeah uh, Chris Martin's taking time out from Coldplay to play up front from him so <laughs> oh, <that's nice>. it's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> It's just looking, uh, I don't know, like like a, a bit of a championship squad, that, I think. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yesterday was a very close game between them and Blackpool. Uh, 11 shots to 7 in favour of Bristol sitting, two shots on target to, to 1, and 51% possession to, to 49. So it's a bit difficult to, to judge off one game, especially the first one of the season. 
whether or not they're both fantastic teams or they cancelled each other out or maybe they're equally poor. But I don't know, it's uh, the beauty of the first 10 games or so where mm. the table really forms. So we'll have yeah. to have to see what they're like next next week. Absolutely. It's, obviously, it's a brand new season, but they did struggle quite a lot towards the end of back end of last season. Well, I think as soon as they beat us, they, everyone, just, everyone just falls off a cliff. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, that part's done now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that part's done. They beat us, so they'll chill for the rest of the season. But is there any more to add? Yeah, they seem to have moved on a lot of players that have been there for quite a few seasons. Jamie Patterson obviously won. Um, we had him on trial, didn't we? And then he scored oh, yesterday fantastic. for Swansea. But yeah, him, Jack Hunt, Famarajeju, Liam Walsh. There's a few players there that they've gotten rid of. They've brought in Rob Atkinson, um, Andy King, Matty James. Um, it, it, I think they've struggled to bring players in, but also I, I sort of see Bristol City along with Blackburn, actually, as uh, a team that have stagnated a little bit. Um, a lot of their fans were were a little bit disgruntled on social media yesterday because of the um, the draw that got... Uh, obviously, the three points got snatched away from them at the end by Blackpool, but I just sort of see them on a little bit of a downward trajectory and they're obviously in a transition period. Um, obviously, as I said, players have gone. Players are, are really yet to come in to sort of fill those positions, but... They were um, talking about a lack of creativity, which we we know all too well. Um, but yeah, I think Bristol City probably won't be... Well, they're not the same Bristol City as the ones that um, always beat us and beat us comfortably, but they'll still prove to be a, a tough opposition for us. And, um, and yeah, I'm quietly confident about it. Quietly confident, so what's your score prediction? 1-0, Borough. One no borough money health two back to back wins. I got the score right today. You did? You did with a one all, one yeah. One all, yeah. Mystic dinner. I mean, to be fair, I was at one 0 Fulham and then like I mean, we had didn't have a shot on target until later on, so Matt I mean, Baller saved the day yeah. for me. Well, to be fair, I did say player of the season. Um, anyway, <laughs> Tom I'm gonna go two 0 borough. I'm gonna go optimistic that we're gonna win first game. Like back in the riverside properly. Optimistic Tom's back. Absolutely love it. But guys, it's the first game back that we've all been at the riverside. So it's going to be an emotional experience. But what he's looking forward to the most is there anything that's standing out for you, Dana? Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah, what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Chips and curry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am really looking forward to it. That is going to be the first thing that I'm going to get. It's funny, actually, because my dad was talking to someone the other day. Um, who I've been to the match with before, and she said that her husband mentioned, when Pig Bank comes on, don't look at me, because I'm going to be crying. And that's probably going to be me as well. I think we're just we're going to go there, and we're going to be so overcome with emotion that we're back, it's happy, it's sad with people that have obviously maybe passed away that aren't with us anymore, that should be. It's seeing your extended footballing family again. It's just going to be so many emotions. I wouldn't be surprised if I do cry. <laughs> Don't cry already. You, 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 you keep those tears <laughs> away. You keep you keep no Saturday, Dana. Um, Tom, what are you excited for the most? I mean, it can't be as good as uh, chips and curry, like. But um, I mean, I'm in I'm, I'm in hospitality next week, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for the invite. You know what I mean? Saturday, <laughs> Tom. No worries, mate. He doesn't get the uh, real experience. Yeah, no. No, no. I've upgraded uh, upgraded tickets for my dad's birthday present last week, okay. so. Uh, yeah, f- first one back. He's got uh, got that experience to look forward to. Uh, it's just going to be great being back. I think the only downside for me this season um, is that I won't be selling uh, fanzines around the grounds because uh, at the moment mm-hmm. Rob's not going to be doing that. Um, so I miss out on that little bit of, of kind of uh, standing in the tunnel, seeing all the people I usually sell to. 
listening to that guy in the underpass play his guitar. Um, <laughs> but Sings it, Wonderwall for 90 minutes. <laughs> I know, it's, uh, he, he sang Fly Me to the Moon quite a few times because uh, I paid him. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't honestly, but like it's just a great song. I think, I think he had a couple of Beatles ones in there as well. But that's the, the part thing I'll still miss, but it's just going to be good being back. Like, you know, it was what, uh, March last year since since the last one and that was poor football at the time as well so <laughs> hopefully uh, something good to look forward to Absolutely, just on the Fly Me to the Moon how, how can you get the Fly Me to the Moon magazines now? Uh, I think you need to order them uh, online uh, Rob on Twitter uh, I think it's Rob underscore Fly Me to the Moon has, has shared a few links to, uh, to, to subscribe to the season Okay, no, that that's, that sounds good to me. I feel like I should uh, subscribe to that. Um, but well, no, I'm, I'm excited as well. I think I'm, I mean I'm not doing hospitality like this, like this posh person over here right next to me. <laughs> I had to choose my words very, very, yeah. very wisely there. What, I read what you wanted to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, wanted, yeah, exactly. But I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll just get my tickets from work, then I'll, I'll beat you to it. You know. <laughs> um, but no, I think I, I'm really excited. I mean, just to, to get back into my seat. Sit back in the north stand and just uh, and just be miserable for ninety minutes when we're and getting cold. yeah getting trounced five nil and just I'd be like ah, nature's healed and then <laughs> we're, we're back to we're back to normal in it. But I think look, it's it's going to be a really good atmosphere, be a party atmosphere. I think the Red, Red Faction is saying that everyone's going to dress up in red and hopefully we can try and get the three points. And it'd be nice to see Neil Warnock in the touchline as well. And hopefully we just we just uh, point a performance really. I think. It'd be be very boresque though to just get absolutely trounced, but I feel like everyone would just be happy if it did. You know what I mean? So just happy to be there. Yeah, just happy to be like there. Ashley calling the Roma team for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I reckon the the players must get a bit of a buzz tomorrow. Like, I mean, uh, not tomorrow, next week. I wish it was tomorrow. Um, <laughs> the, the the must get a bit of a buzz, like having played in an empty empty stadium for, for what a season and a half. Um, just having. Um, you know, hopefully about twenty five thousand Borough fans cheering them on, um, and then hopefully that kind of sticks around to that level. But we'll see. Absolutely. Do we do score predictions? Like my mind just went blank there. Crystal City. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my mind's absolutely yeah. blank them anyway. Well, that means that's <laughs> it then. Uh, so thanks, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. And you guys, if you like this podcast, um, but do give us a five star written Apple Podcast and give us a follow on your podcast provider that helps us get found and Bora, fan, uh, Bora fans find it a Bora podcast to listen to um, but that's it the 2021 and 2022 season starts with a 1-1 draw at Fulham um, but, but the road to Wembley is beginning on Wednesday against Blackpool and then back to the Riverside on Saturday but for now this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast and that was all your match day chatter in a pod up the Bora Breakdown Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Amazon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 